Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back, listeners. As always, your host, Steve Opolinik. Today's episode, episode 38, is with one of my greatest friends, Brenna Rogers, who is a friend from years past. One of my first counseling jobs I met Brenna at. We'll get into the story how we met because it's, it's an interesting story and it speaks to her tenacity. And so I think it's a really important story to understand, and we'll get into that a little bit in the podcast. I was super happy to reconnect with Brenna because her perspective and her ability to challenge herself, even when it's uncomfortable, is really amazing. And I do think that her story about how she's balanced her life during COVID and the pandemic is uh, a testament to how I feel we should be looking at this pandemic and and some of the best ways to live a generative life during this chaotic time. Much more than that, though, I had a lot of fun uh, joking with Brenna and, and talking to her just about the work she does and her passions in life. So I'm really excited for you all to listen to this one. Episode 38 coming your way now. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. And it's funny, I feel like when I'm in a meeting in a mask, I feel like I have to explain to someone that I have a smile on my face right now. You know, or that like I'm making a face that's unpleasant because I don't like what you just said or, you know, because I feel like we well, can't see my, maybe you can see it in my eyes, but I want to make sure you know how I'm expressing myself right now. I think that's the big thing with you, Britta, is, is you always want someone to know what emotion is going on as they're talking to you. And it, it's kind of cool because now we can't read it. So it's like, listen, I dislike you. <laughs> <laughs> can't see it in my face, but I dislike you. Um, you know, I like to just be clear. Yeah. It, I mean, it makes the most sense, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you want to be clear and concise and you want people to understand where you're coming from, how you're feeling. That's right. Right. And things of those nature. Ah, Absolutely. so awesome. Thanks for coming on. The Absolutely. One, I'm the sorry one. it took me, it took, it was, I feel like I was hard to pin down, but. It's okay. You're right. We just, we just made fun of you a little bit on Holly's podcast so I just heard the parts that you you know kept on your recording (laughs) wasn't shared (laughs) well the funny part about it is we had some really good Brenna stuff in the beginning but I had accidentally not recorded that (laughs) I had failed to record the first five minutes of our conversation so that's kind of funny actually yeah but welcome thank you for being on the podcast it is my honor in general to talk to you but even more so to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I know a lot about you 
there's probably a lot of shady stuff I don't know about you um, yeah. since the years we've worked together, but can you introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of talk about who you are and what you do and what you're passionate sure. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Brenna Rogers and I'm currently a senior director with Bay State Community Services in Quincy. I run the Quincy Family Resource Center and I also oversee the Diane Devana Center, which is in Braintree. Um, I have been with Bay State for, it's, I'm in my ninth year now, which is crazy. Steve, crazy, yeah. started at Bay State together, right? Yeah. Um, and I do uh, basically mental health crisis work and prevention work um, with, primarily with youth, but supporting the families. Um, because as we know, um, youth, youth have a lot that they can do for themselves to be successful and to do their best but they also need um, family support um, around them and whomever they consider part of the family. Um, we, we work with those individuals as well to support the youth. That's awesome. So the, walk us down that line a little bit of how you got into uh, one, I, I guess the, the service and health field of, of working and counseling and, and working with families and kids to, to kind of make a difference. And then two, what really, um, drove you throughout your career to kind of get to this place where you're at now? You know, I always um, wanted to work in the counseling field. Uh, even as a teenager, I remember in high school, which Holly would remember, um, too bad you can't ask her about that now, um, <laughs> is really wanting to work with kids to help them, to help guide them through their life um, and their goals. And I went to college with the idea that I was going to major in psychology, and I hated it. It was awful. It was all lab work. It was like brain and dissection. And I was like, I do not want to do psychiatry. This is not what I want. And it really didn't fit. So I switched my major over to political science, uh, because why not? So I did a lot of reading and writing instead and debating. And um, when I got out of college, I still carried with me that real desire and, and want to work with youth and their families. But I was always centered on the youth because I really felt like if you give kids their own chance to be able to live their best life, that you're giving them that possibility as opposed to giving the power to the, those adults around them. Right. And so uh, did political science, graduated from um, college, worked in, in the um, politics in the field for a few years, met my husband in politics, so that was time well spent. Yeah. And, and um, once, you know, we kind of got married and I gave up the political field because that was crazy. <laughs> and still glad I made that choice. Now I was going to say, do you miss it now in, in the current climate that we're in? Not a bit. <laughs> get enough politics in, you know, in my daily work life. I don't need to be in politics to, to have right. politics. So um, not missing that at all. And then, you know, as, as, you know, early in the marriage, I kept saying to, to Tim, I said to my husband, I need to go back to school. I really want to work with kids. I really wanted to, to do counseling. And so ended up having two of my own children and when they um, were very young, they were in nursery school, I went back to school part-time. So I was a stay-at-home mom and enrolled in my master's program part-time um, to do mental health counseling. 
and was able to, after I graduated, um, st started off thinking I wanted to work in the schools and really yeah. help kids kind of launch from high school into their college lives. And after I graduated with my degree and did my internship in the schools, I realized that was not the kind of change I wanted to affect. Right. The place for me, I really needed the agency work. I needed that time one-on-one -on -one with kids that you don't get in a school environment. And that's how ultimately I ended up where I am today, doing the agency work where, where I have that access to one-on-one -on -one with the kids um, and to their families in a way that the schools, it, that, that role just doesn't allow for it and, and really fit um, what I wanted to, to do and, and the, the role that I wanted to play in, in my community, really. Yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing and it parallels obviously some of my own intuition with some of this stuff too is well let's talk about how we know each other oh mm -hmm. I, I always have a favorite meeting Bruna story um so we both worked at a agency that was you know i've mentioned it before on the podcast but it was, it's kind of billed as like a jumping off platform right mm -hmm. kind of like yeah. hey once you get out of college come here and learn some of the ropes but not and I don't want to like shoot myself in the foot with this, but not too many people stay for a super long period of mm -hmm. time at the agency, um, right. just based on, again, some, some politics and some financial aspects and mm -hmm. the burnout's real. Basically we were doing at times I was doing 12 hour work days, but getting paid for five hours. Uh, yes. And so right. that really burnt out quickly. And so I had just started, I, I believe in January of, mm -hmm. 2011 I think actually yep. and um, starting January uh, Brina wasn't there for a small period of time which we'll reference in a minute <laughs> and then uh, she came in and a couple weeks into working there I got introduced to her and she had both of her her wrists uh, were broken from an accident ice skating accident I believe correct um, and so that's how we met and I, I the way that she kind of handled that situation just made me really enjoy talking to her because she was really funny about it, wouldn't shy away from it, was really upfront about uh, everything. And, and what I'd come to find out is an excellent source of humor and honesty, which I've always felt was really um, awesome to engage with and, and be in a work environment with that. And then fast forward, I decided to leave because I got a position uh, where Brenna works now. Uh, to do case management, which is a little bit more behind the scenes, not direct face-to-face, -face, but doing some of that um, building of agency and, and, and space with kids, uh, more systemic in that nature. And then found out after I give my notice, Brenna comes up to me in the hallway and was like, don't tell anyone, but I'm also <laughs> coming to this agency too, like a week after I think I started. That's right. Um, which was a lot of fun because I got to decorate her welcome desk uh, with action figures and, and things. Yep. Like um, and then we spent, you know, a couple of years there together. And then we kind of started going in into, I, I, I left the agency after doing some youth programming mm -hmm. and then Brenna stayed there. Um, I, yep. I, I, here I am. Yeah. And I, I think that story is really pertinent one because I want to talk more about the, the breaking of wrists <laughs> too, um, because I think that highlights exactly where your journey has, has kind of been is that direct want to do that work with you mm -hmm. 
has kind of driven you towards still doing it, but also creating a systemic kind of injection of how to do it too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the position you're in now wasn't there when we were working there. It was created through the agency and through you and, mm-hmm. and your supervisors. I almost said super, superiors, but that, superiors. I don't like that. My supervisor like would like that. Sure. <laughs> um, and so I really do think that that journey is really pertinent because, you know, for me, it was eye opening to say, okay, there are different sides of doing this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I eventually came back to direct counseling, but I'm also mm-hmm. doing just some systemic stuff with the nonprofit. Um, but I like to see how that evolution kind of came about. Yeah, absolutely. So clearly my evolution started with the wrists. <laughs> Superhuman wrists. <laughs> That's right. It's all about the wrists. Yeah. So, you know, um, I mentioned I have two boys. And so there was a great, you know, the year of 2011. Um, it was actually the accident was January, um, January 11th, 2011. So it was 1 11 11. So, yeah, so that, that, that right there should have told me everything. And um, the first place we worked together, I had just come home from work and I remember it because it was a Tuesday evening and my third grader at the time was like, I really want to go ice skating mom. And it was, you know, going to get dark in about an hour. So I was like, all right, come on, Zach, get your skates. Let's get in the car. And we went down to the local pond because the pond was frozen over. And this was very exciting because it doesn't happen every, you know, every winter it's not cold enough, even here in Massachusetts. And um, we went ice skating for about 45 minutes. And I said, all right, buddy, wrap it up. It's getting dark. The other people who were on the ice had since left. We need to wrap it up, get home and get dinner going. So I'm just sort of gliding on the ice. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a professional skater by any means. But sure. I've been skating my whole life. So this You're being a little too modest. I've seen you out there in a leotard doing spins. <laughs> doing my, my spins and my figure. <laughs> so I can ice skate. Um, I'm not fantastic, but I can ice skate. So um, Holly and I used to ice skate together growing up. So we're winding down. I'm just sort of gliding. And all of a sudden, my two feet just lifted from under me. And I sort of fell back, landing on my behind with my hands underneath. So I had sat on my hands and my wrists. And at the time, I remember, um, you know, the old car- the cartoons where, you know, you fall and the birds and the stars kind of sing around your head. Yeah. That happened to me. That's the only time it's ever happened to me. That's real. That must have been doubly traumatic for you because you it was <laughs> it was to think that there were birds above my head was not okay um and so you know zach had noticed this happen again he was only in third grade so he was he was a little upset and and jarred by it and i just was like all right i knew it was a problem i didn't know how big a problem and said zach you gotta come help me get up just lift me by you know my arm and i basically used my legs to get me up on skates skated myself over to the side um, somehow with two broken wrists um, one that was dangling um, I undid my skates put my boots on got in the car my son jumped in the car I drove home and as soon as I pulled in the driveway I basically burst into tears and hysterically crying telling right. called dad tell him right now I have to go to the hospital 
So I ended up with two broken wrists and I was casted up probably for about six weeks. Um, and I think Steve, I ended up being out of work for a good two to three months. Yeah, uh, so it must've been much later that I met you. Yeah, but I met you, I did meet you early on. I remember that because um, it was in January because I had to hand in my clinical notes so I could get paid. Oh, yeah. Because I had them with me. Yeah. So it was probably a week after my accident, my husband drove me to the office and that's when I met you. I remember that moment standing in front of the mailboxes, meeting you for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I remember making a joke because I was probably unshowered. And yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time we met. Yeah. And so the reason I included that one, because, you know, our relationship, I like to poke fun at you quite a bit. Yes, um, we enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, and two, I, I think it really speaks to the determination that you have. That story is, is I, I don't want to say awe-inspiring, but it is inspiring because how many people in that moment would have the fortitude to be able to be like, okay, this is what we do. Right. This is what we have to do. We have to execute it. And then only when you were in a position, you allowed yourself to kind of feel everything and kind of process yeah. everything. And I think that's something that I've always really enjoyed about you is, is that when it gets down to the, the brass tacks and the business, you're able to do it no matter what kind of emotions are coming up for you. Mm -hmm. But you also don't suppress them like you allow that time period after to process. And I think that's really amazing to, to hear. Um, I don't know if you would second that, but it's something I've always seen in you as a person, as a coworker. Um, and so where do you think that fortitude came from? Like, like in the moment, I think it was out of necessity, but that's not something that just happens in the moment. It comes from other places. You know, I have to say, Steve, I don't think I've, we've ever had this conversation to this extent and, yeah. and your frame that way is, very interesting to me to hear that. I feel like this is the first time I'm, I'm hearing kind of the way I'm, I function and the way you viewed me at that time and moving forward as how I function. Because um, right. I think as a person, I just, I go about my day functioning right. as you. Um, so it's, it's I'm, I'm taking a minute to kind of absorb that because yeah. I don't think I've heard it quite like that. And, and I, do appreciate the way you have framed that. It is, it's very interesting to hear that way. I've always been an action-oriented person. I've always been action-oriented and I've always been able to compartmentalize. So if something needs to happen, the thoughts, the conversation, the feelings around that have to be put aside to be addressed at another time. Right. While we go forward and, and you know, take care of what needs to be taken care of. And then we're going to come back to this and revisit it. Right. That's always been the way that I function, uh, even as a kid, you know, and, and in my adult life. Um, and I'm not saying that that's always a successful way to do something because right. I'm sure there are moments where I'm action oriented and maybe Brenna should stop and <laughs> first before she, you know, proceeds, but that's the way I function. And, and I think, for my personal life and and for my work, I think for my work it it does it's utilized very well. It, it you know working in mental health because you know you and I, Steve, worked with a lot of crisis cases, and you've yeah. got to be able to move forward and move through it 
and then manage kind of whatever comes from that later. Yeah. And, and I think that I really enjoy that work so much for so many reasons. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons because we're able to be very proactive problem solving, but then we can go back and do the therapeutic, you know, um, revisiting and, and talking about the feelings and what was happening in the moment, the emotions. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right. I think it is a byproduct of having to do some of the work that we have to do sometimes is to sit there with a, a kid who is decompensating or being violent or families or having to deal with filing with DCF or, or right. getting police involved if, if need be, or you know, people who are suicidal um, because you have to be in that moment. And, you know, I never really thought of work like that. I, I think in, in those moments, it was just like you're saying, it just happens. And so you're like, okay, yeah. this is here. We just got to do what we got to do. And sometimes there are doubts and sometimes there are questions and, but you just have to, kind of go into that situation as best as you can. And I've never really put it to words like you just did, but I, I think that for me, it was more of like, okay, I could be okay in a zombie attack because I know, <laughs> I know it's just gotta, you gotta do what you need to do. And then you process the, that loss a little bit later. Um, Steve, you are always prepared in case. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. Uh, it was actually one of my favorite compliments from my cousin, Joe, was telling me we lived together in an apartment in Northampton at one point and uh, right next to a cemetery. And one of our friends said to us, oh, aren't you nervous? Like, what if the zombies come back? The cemetery's right there. And my, my cousin looked right at me and was like, yeah, Steve, man, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that is the best compliment I have ever heard in my life. Um, awesome. But, you know, now my daughter compliments me. So I guess that would take And My wife, I guess, are up there too. But that was a pretty good compliment. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And I'm oh. sure both of your girls give you a run for your money being prepared for a zombie attack. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In training, pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like it, though. It's, it's cool. It's a good way to look at stuff. It's like, okay, yep. this will prepare me in different ways for different things. So, Absolutely. Um, I know I told you I didn't really prepare questions for a lot of my podcasts. They just flow, but I do have a couple questions for you. Okay, I'm ready. Pick my mind. And one of them involves Tim, but we'll get to that one later because I think okay. I want to hear more about that story because it's, it's pretty awesome. You guys have been together for a while uh, at this point, which is, is new for a lot of people to, mm -hmm. to kind of witness. But I do think uh, I love following Tim what he posts and then resharing those posts and be like, haha, I know that guy. Um, <laughs> so I do want to, uh, man, this podcast is just going to be all flattery for you and Tim. <laughs> I feel like that's, oh, thank that's you. What it's just going to be. <laughs> uh, so I do have a couple of questions about that. Um, but let me ask you some questions now in doing the work that you do uh, in COVID, but then also in this political kind of time, yeah. uh, knowing that you have to do what you do. How do you find that way to in those moments to still be yourself still still hold those morals that that you have but then also when you do come back to it and process how do you um take care of yourself because like we we mentioned earlier this work is the burnout's pretty significant because uh, it's a lot of giving and uh, sometimes with great outcomes and sometimes with like really crappy outcomes and having to process and move forward in that so how do you how do you kind of go around that process? 
I would say this is probably the first time in my career where I've really struggled with my own self-care. Okay. That has not usually been a huge issue for me. There are definitely times in the past where there are very tough weeks and, you know, there's a little more struggle, but, but COVID and this pandemic has really um, been a challenge for me regarding that. And there were many weeks early on where it would kind of be Saturday morning and I would kind of start to feel pretty depressed and I could never, it was a few weeks of, of this. Uh, I would be fine all week doing, doing what I was doing. And this was really throughout March and April. Um, and then Saturday morning, I'd kind of wake up and like start the day and, you know, have coffee with my husband and we'd hang out. And then I would be like, I have nothing. I have nothing. And by the way, I have everything. Okay. I have nothing to complain about, right. but I have nothing. And I didn't know what to do with myself. I would get myself upset. I would start to cry. And I, I had no idea where this was coming from. I did not understand. And it took me a few weeks of having these moments where I realized I need to plan, starting on Wednesday, action-oriented, <laughs> my weekend's going to look like. Because it took those several weeks to figure out that my self-care and my hobbies basically revolve around spending time with other people, right. socializing and going out. And I couldn't do any of those things during that time. And I really had nothing else to fall back on. Because who would ever think, you know, during March and April when you couldn't see other people, everything was closed. You basically were staying at home. If you had to go to the grocery store, you were masked up and such a limited number of people were in the store. No one was talking to each other. Right. There was no opportunity other than, you know, I had, you know, Zoom calls with friends and that was wonderful, but it wasn't feeding me at all in terms of being able to um, get the self-care that I needed to be back to work on Monday to help the families that I work with. And uh, when I finally came to that realization, I had to say out loud that I need some hobbies that don't involve um, being this raging extrovert that I am. Right. And had to figure out. <laughs> raging extrovert. It's true, though. It's true. <laughs> what does a raging extrovert do for fun? It's not sitting and reading a book, you know? No. You go out for dinner with girlfriends. You go out as couples. You take walks. You socialize. You go dancing. Like, none of this is happening. Right. So... I had to find some new outlets for myself and, and I did, and I admit, I don't like them as much. Um, but it, I had to find an outlet. So I have just, I've developed that, you know, I do read more, which I really read before bed at night. Um, now I read more during the day, which is odd, um, <laughs> different for me. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, I've always been someone who's exercised. Steve, you know that about me. Yep. I have talked a lot about that. We and had a couple gym sessions we did too. We right? even had a couple gym sessions. And yeah. I was thinking about today, I was reminiscing about the gym session when I couldn't use my arms after. <laughs> Not because <laughs> Not of, the because of my wrists. Because <laughs> <laughs> of a workout. Um, but really prioritize making sure that I had whatever kind of equipment I, I wanted to have in the home so that I could continue to work out despite the cold, whipping, windy days that we get here in the Northeast or right. pouring rain day, that I, I wasn't completely dependent on whether or not I was gonna go outside and walk or run or whatever. Um, I needed a way to exercise. And um, decided that 
getting up early Saturday morning, since I wasn't out late Friday night with girlfriends, uh, would involve me going to the beach early in the morning with my husband. Mm-hmm. And we would take a walk and we would just sort of look at the ocean and sort of just refresh, reset, and, and sort of develop some new self-care habits, which, which have been great and they work but I'm looking forward to getting back to my usual. Yeah. And I, I love the, the, the beach conversation. I was talking to someone the other day. Uh, they went and went to the beach and just spent time um, on a uh, bodyboard or a raft and, and just floating on the waves. And they're like, I, I just was so connected. I was out there for 45 minutes. Wow. And people were like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> And I love it because there, there's the simplicity of the waves. When you think about it, like our breath replicates in that, mm-hmm. right? The, the wave system, even when you're doing the breathing, it sounds like waves in your head, right? If you're doing slow breathing yeah. and focusing on the inhale and the exhale. And then also just the movements of the waves, like the thunderous intensity of, of, of coming in is the inhale, which gives us energy. And then the retreating of, of the waves going out is the exhale, which brings us calmness and, and peace. Right? That's right. Um, and the more I think about it, the more um, I feel tingly right now. The, the more I love that connection to nature and it's something we've taken <laughs> for granted. And I think even talking with Holly, we talked about it too. It's like mm-hmm. using this time and just being outside and you know, putting your feet in the grass and walking around and looking at things right. in a different way is really supportive and yeah it doesn't feed into the coping skills that we've had as much but it's also giving us this new clarity of oh i can do this there's nothing stopping me from doing this right now and there's a piece to it that i can find Mm -hmm. Um, and i can structure my day a little bit more around this Um, because i've been taking my daughter for walks nothing too too long but like a mile and a half two miles maybe and we're playing um we're being dragons or we're we're being lion guard people or lion king people it really depends on whatever show she's into um of course but those walks and you know my wife joins us occasionally when when we have the time mm-hmm. and but those walks are are i miss them when i don't have them because of yep. the hecticness of running around even now Right. Um, yep. And so it is a good time to just kind of stop and pause, right? And say, okay, this, this may be a really terrible time, but I'm building tolerance in a new way. So That's right. as things kind of come out, that tolerance is still there. I can apply it in different ways. And I, I think, Steve, it's important because it, it it's building, you know, as a person, wherever you stand with your own ability to be resilient. Mm-hmm it builds your ability to be resilient, you know, more being more flexible. And I think what's very important for right now, it's gotten easier as it's been summer and it's been warm and people are outside more. You can sit outside in the yard, but I'm very aware that pretty soon we're going to lose that. It's yeah. gonna be cold. And listen, I have my LL Bean sleeping bag ready to bundle up <laughs> outside until it is so cold. I can't take it anymore. To right. so- with people from six feet apart at a distance but there's going to be a time that's coming soon where this is going to be very difficult again we're going to need to draw back on some of the newer self-care um tactics i don't know what you call it Uh, yeah tactics work tactics that 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 you may have developed or learned more recently we're going to need those again yeah 
it, my sister and I have this joke about, cause right now we go up to visit my parents and they have a nice lawn and space so we can all socially distance and hang mm-hmm. out. And we went there for the fourth and, you know, it was nice to be around family and you yeah. didn't get to play the yearly volleyball game that we always do up there, but right. we got to have some time and the kids got to play and trampoline time and all that fun stuff. That's awesome. Um, but my sister and I have been joking about like, what are we going to do? in the fall and the winter when things start to get cold, how are we gonna do that and mm-hmm. still have that connection? And we started joking around by, by getting those bar heaters that are outside. Oh yeah. It's just like spending the money, everyone's Christmas present. We're just gonna buy two of these for the house and we'll be on the deck yeah. and have that and just be fine because mm-hmm. it's so important. And we, yeah. we lost that. We lost, I feel like we lost that before this situation is the importance mm-hmm. of that quality of time. Um, That's right. And now we're kind of dreading going back to like, okay, we're, we're yeah. still going to have part time with that. So I think you're right. right. I think this is the time. And I've been telling people like use the summertime to really develop some of this stuff so that going into the fall and winter, you have it and you're mm-hmm. not missing and like you'll miss it, but you're not uh, bemoaning that's right. what, what you haven't done. So I think Absolutely. that's awesome stuff. All right, your your Tim question. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm a little nervous. Maybe I can get Tim on here one day. I think that'd be cool. Let's just do. You know, a that's not a bad idea. I, I'm gonna make sure you two connect on that. That's a good idea. Um. So, well, why don't you introduce your husband a little bit? So I'm not just talking about him in, in a weird aspect where no one gets him. Can you just give a quick summation? Sure. I'll of- give a, a, yeah, absolutely. So my husband Tim. Uh, as I referenced earlier in our conversation, um, he also um, in college majored in political science. And upon his graduation, he worked in politics for a lot longer than I did, a number of years, which I don't know how many years, it felt like a long time because <laughs> um, I left before he did. Um, but he ran and managed and run, ran political campaigns for a living. Um, probably a good six to eight years. And so that's how we met. We worked on the same political campaign um, at one point, and which is how we met and fell in love and all that. <laughs> As Tim likes to say, our candidate lost, but we won. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see if he says that, if he uses that line in your interview. Um, and uh, so we got married and he started to get out of politics and he had shared with me right before we got married, we were, when we were engaged, probably a couple months out from the wedding that he had always had this calling and he felt this calling. And, um, I was like, I, I don't, <laughs> what do you mean? What, what calling? I mean, what are you talking about? So he had shared that he always felt called to be a, a priest and felt a calling to the priesthood. My husband grew up Episcopalian. So in the Episcopal church, um, clergy are married and mm-hmm. clergy can be male or female. So, um, long story short, uh, he went to seminary. We did get married. He became an Episcopal priest. And so my husband is now, um, has been working as an Episcopal priest for about 20 years. And um, right now we're in Massachusetts because he is the rector of um, St. John's Episcopal Church in Hingham. Nice. And an amazing connoisseur of coffee and all things coffee. Loves coffee everything coffee he yeah. not going to give that story away let him come on and tell it yeah he, uh, he was not a coffee connoisseur until we were well into our marriage that came a little bit later um but had the um has done a lot of 
write, excuse me, reading, and then had the opportunity during a sabbatical to do some, um, he got a grant and did some traveling and studying more about coffee and ended up writing a book, which yeah. was published. He's got a couple books, right? He does. He's got, um, I don't know how many, some, Mm. We'll, we'll touch upon it if I get him on the podcast. You we'll, talk we'll to him to about that. I don't really know. Yeah. I'm doing other things. I, I do have a question. I know that just seemed like leading talking about your husband and, <laughs> and everything. About no, it. hey, whatever you want, <laughs> Steve, you tell me. So what I've seen from you guys is that like Tim, Father Tim, we'll call him, right? Is, is yep. he's, he's a powerhouse of um, personality. And I would also classify you as a powerhouse of personality, right? And you guys have been together over 20 years, mm -hmm. right? So this yep. is a, just a very set up question, uh, normal question, but how do you work when both of your per personalities are so powerhousey? Um, how do you work on a relationship when that intensity is there? Especially in uh, Corona times. That's a really good question. Yeah, I put you in, I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I would say that my husband, you referred to us as powerhouse. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's a powerhouse at work. <laughs> um, my husband's an introvert and he at home needs time to really rejuvenate and refresh and he yeah. needs quiet time. Uh, he likes to sit and read and he likes to sit and be reflective where I don't particularly tend to that. So I tend to be probably more of the um, powerhouse at the house in terms gotcha. of, you know, what's going on, what's next, where are we going? These are the things that need to happen next. Action oriented. Right. Um, I, I would say we're very equal at home. He does just as much laundry and dishwasher unloading and loading I probably do more of the cooking um, and, and with the kids, you know, he, we very much equal parented and because we both have jobs that run many different hours of the week, seven days a week, it has to be that way because it's not like I work Monday to Friday, nine to five. He does not work Monday to Friday, nine to five. So we are constantly juggling, you know, Oh, Tim's taking the kids to the doctor. Oh, mom's doing this. Oh, Tim's doing that. So, we have navigated and negotiated as equal partners, but I would say that I, I pretty much come up kind of with the plan and, and how we're going to move it forward for the home. Yeah. Um, because I am such an action oriented person where when he comes home, he really does need the time, the space to rejuvenate and refresh because he is an introvert. Yeah. It takes a lot to, to run a church. Yeah, and I think the reason I brought it up, uh, one, is because it, we, we kind of set it up with this this new kind of dynamic of how we do self-care, right? But then also we have a, a bunch of time in, in the same space, whereas before we weren't having as much time in the same space mm -hmm. as our significant others or our loved ones. And so I think it's important yeah. to understand how each person need, needs that space and needs that self-care and really have that conversation because I don't think it always happens. I don't, I think sometimes it's just like, well, you're doing this, well, whatever. Right. right. Um, and I think it's, it illustrates the point of, of knowing each other and knowing what's needed and having the conversation mm -hmm. and doing that work, which isn't always fun or enjoyable, but is necessary. Mm -hmm. I feel like. 
And Steve, he was the one who pointed this out to me. I mean, it was those Saturday mornings and I, it would be nine o'clock in the morning and I plopped down and I'd be beside myself. I didn't know what to do with myself. What was I doing? And he was all set. He was laid out on the couch with his book. He was like, what? I'm good. Like what's <laughs> here? And he looked at me finally one Saturday and says, you need to develop some other self-care skills yeah. that don't involve people and going out. Like he was the one who had to say to me, you right. look at this because you don't have that to fall back on. And I listened. I mean, I heard it. We're, and this is like, I, when he says something to me, I do list, I listen. Yeah. And I heard it and I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And so we sort of talked about it a little bit. And then I went on my own journey to figure it out. But um, he had to point that out for me. And he yeah. is very good at that. That's awesome. I love it. All right. So I have two questions that I always end the podcast with. Uh, you heard him on Holly's and I'm going to ask you on here. But before we do, just a little juicy tidbit. And I don't know if I remember this correctly. So I'll edit it out if it's not, <laughs> not true. God, what are you going to say? Did you... Or you had a connection to the Crush Empire, right? The Soda Empire? Oh, Orange Squeeze. Squeeze. Orange Squeeze, that's what it is. Okay, so not the Crush Empire. But you want to do that intro again? Start it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a connection to the Empire of Orange Squeeze. Isn't that correct? It is. It is correct. Uh, my mother's side of the family grew up in Western Massachusetts, in Adams, Mass., and uh, my family, the Gavush family, started a soda business um, in the early 1900s uh, called uh, Squeeze Beverages, otherwise known as Orange Squeeze. And it was a family business that um, went down to my grandfather and then my uncle Teddy, who still lives in Adams, Mass, um, ran it for a number of years. But unfortunately, it folded probably about 15 years ago as a result of, you know, Pepsi and Coca-Cola and it was big business kind of stuff. and people were not at that point, you know, people were not paying attention to the mom and pop shops anymore, right? right? Walmarts were being built in Western mass. All of that started to pop up so that you could get your soda cheaper by driving just past orange squeeze and go to the Walmart down the street in, in right. North Adams. So um, ended up folding, unfortunately, but um, it was a great way to grow up my summers on West, in Western Mass, yeah. go to shop, and every family event always had orange squeeze, <laughs> nice. something, 28 flavors, 24 flavors. I don't know, my Uncle Teddy's going to get mad at me for not remembering, but um, we, we have a lot of um, swag from the orange squeeze days in the family still, and it's it's uh, it's it's in my heart still. I, I loved it. It was wonderful. Um, That's my awesome. husband got to see the plant before it was shut down, and he really thought he was marrying into an empire. <laughs> yeah. Empire. So he was very upset about that. <laughs> um, okay. So two questions. Uh, yeah. What superpower would you want if you could have any superpower, and why? And then, what do you believe your superpower is? Hmm. So not only was I surprised to hear this question on your podcast being asked before, but I've always remembered this is the way you would always interview people too. Hey, it's true. It's true. So I, I've always remembered this. And I never ask it myself because that was always your role. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic question because I think it tells a lot about people. Um, I don't know if, I'm gonna, if I can really answer the whole thing for you, but I do have an answer. Okay. I don't, I don't think I have any superpowers. Um, mm -hmm. 
I can tell you that I very much look to Wonder Woman. She is always very true. favorite, favorite superhero. Always, always, always. And it's always been um, because she represents equality, justice, and truth. And that's always at the core of what she's doing when she is using her superpowers and when she's out there with, with all her buddies. Um, and there's so many awesome superpowers, but I think that it goes back to Wonder Woman again, because it would be great to be invisible or like stretch myself. But in the end, Wonder Woman known for her great endurance and her strength. Yeah. And that's what I want. Yeah. I'm going to call BS that you don't have superpowers because everything you just idolized in Wonder Woman, I think you exhibit, right? Equality, justice, strength, endurance. You showcase them on, I told you this podcast is just going to be all complimentary to you. So, but, yeah. but I really think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. It's that I, I think so sometimes it's hard for us to see the qualities and superpowers or, or, the personality that we bring to, to things. Um, and I think that you do exhibit those fairly well. So fairly give well. yourself a little, little respect, a nice golf clap for Brenna. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Steve, thank you for that. That's, um, I will say it is something that I, I always strive for and, and mm. work for, but at the end of the day, I, I often ask myself is, is what I'm doing enough? Yeah. And I feel like sometimes in this field too, it's it's easy to get overwhelmed with it and it's easy to get stuck in that imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, yes. did I do the right thing? Am I really qualified for this? This person's coming to me with this intense information and opening up and is that misplaced or, you know, am I an asshat or <laughs> right. what is happening? Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. You're like, I am not qualified for this. Right. Absolutely. Well, Brenna. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so on. good to see you, Steve. Super, super awesome to see you as well. This was um, great. I just can't speak more highly, and uh, I'll put a bug in Tim's ear to, to get him on, on here. Do it, and I will, I will do the same, because you guys will have a good conversation. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project dot org if you want to learn more about the promethean project or if you would like to donate to our cause you can reach us at the promethean project.org if you really do enjoy this podcast please share with your friends please like our posts on social media on instagram and on facebook and please leave us a review on apple podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.